we uh, we praise our God and we thank Him so very much for this beautiful occasion and opportunity that uh, He has granted to us to worship, to worship Him in spirit and in truth. It is great to see each of you here this morning, both members and visitors alike. We praise you and thank you for your attendance. We're thankful to those who are online uh, who have come to worship God with us today. Let's go together, please, to God in a word of prayer. Righteous Heavenly Father, we we praise your holy and divine name. And we are thankful to you for the richness of your grace, for allowing us today to assemble, to worship you in spirit and in truth. We ask and pray, O oh God, that you will keep our minds from worldly thoughts, that you will help us to focus on you. Bless us to never forget Jesus, that amazing sacrifice that he's made in our behalf. Bless us, Lord God, to think the way you want us to think and to say the things that you want us to say. These things we ask and pray in that wonderful, magnificent, most awesome, holy, and precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May be that will. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, Solomon's glory. We Last week we talked about the lily and worrying is the context. And today we're going to look at Solomon's glory. Last week we talked about the bird a little bit. This week we're going to talk about Solomon's glory. God's faithful people do not have to view life from the same perspective as the world views life. We trust God. And we know that not only does God know what we need, but we know it's God who is carrying us through. And we give him all of the praise, the honor, and the glory. And in Matthew 6, in verse 25, For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body, As to what you shall put on, is not life more than food and the body than clothing? From a worldly perspective, no. Life is not worth more than food and clothing. From a worldly perspective, no, we can't forget about our food and our clothing Because that becomes our number one priority. What what does God want us to truly think about? Listen to what he says about the world. Matthew 6. And I apologize. I'm going to go backwards. Look at what he says about the world in verse 30. But if God so arrays the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace... Will he not much more do so for you, O men of little faith? I don't know, will he? Verse 31. Do not be anxious then, saying, Well, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or with what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. So then the question is, So why worry? 
Well, verse 25, again. For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink or what your body as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Isn't it interesting that Jesus is trying to prove something to us? (laughs) You read the whole Bible and God is still trying to prove something to us. He's still trying to prove that he has everything under control, and yet we, his people, we still find the very reason to concern ourselves about the body and clothing and food. In verse 26, he says, Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, neither do they reap, nor gather in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them Are you not worth much more than they? So the greatest psychologist in the world, with no comparison, gives his children a therapeutic way to handle our stressful lives. I don't know how many of us do what he says to do. He says, look at the birds. Oh. So I'm so worried, Lord, about this, and I'm so worried about that. And then Jesus would ask, have you looked at the birds? Have you studied the birds? You see, when you study the birds, you recognize that it's God who's looking after them. And then I bring into perspective, God says, to help you to understand that you are worth much more than they. Say, okay, Lord. And then he says, in verse 27, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single cubit to his lifespan? So much to worry about, isn't there? There's just so much to worry about. And sometimes anxiety comes because of what we do not have. And and other times it comes because of what can be taken away. So many worry, though God says not to. The uninformed worry because they do not know enough. The knowledgeable worry because they know too much. The rich worry because they're afraid of losing what they have. The poor worry because they don't have enough. The old worry, because they're facing death. And the young worry, because they're facing life. <laughs> I mean, just just give it to us. We will find something to worry about. Someone said, Blessed is a man who is too busy to worry in the daytime and too tired to worry at night. Someone else said, A problem not pray- worth praying about is not worth worrying about. Another said, why pray when you can worry? And I've always thought, today is the day we worried about yesterday. It's finally here. And the only place that perpetual worry will get us ahead of time is the cemetery. 
Look again at Matthew chapter 6, verse 28. And why are you anxious? Do you notice the number of questions that God is asking over and over again? Why, why, why? And we always ask Him why. You know, why, why, why? Why is this? Why that? Why this morning at Bible class, you know? If God is a perfect God and God is good, thank you, Brother Lawrence, for that. Uh, and why is there so much evil and sickness and sorrow? Why, 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 why? Why? Well, God's asking us why. And the question is, and why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil nor do they spin? And so we spent some, a considerable amount of time last week looking at the lily. Look at Matthew chapter 10. Consider and believe in the providence of God. So Jesus, again, proving this point. He says in verse 29 of Matthew chapter 10, Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. Wait. All of the sparrows in the world? God? Yeah. And not one falls to the ground without God knowing it. Why are you worried again? Verse 30. Some of you may not get this verse. But the very hairs... <laughs> Of your head are all numbered. Every human being in the whole world, God, you you know, you know the number of the hair follicles. So why are you worried? Therefore, verse thirty-one: Do not fear. You are of more value than many sparrows. Birds. The the idea, the new hospice idea, you know, no man dies alone. We already knew that. Not as God's people. God is always with us. Always, even to the end. He promised us that. So, tell me again, why worry? Well, because, because preacher, you're talking about hair follicles and birds and talking about lilies. and But what about me? I'm a human being. God says, okay, let's take a look at you. Let's do it in this way. Let's talk about Solomon's glory. So let's focus on that this morning. Verse 29 of Matthew 6. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. A lily, a bird. Let's go back to 1 Kings chapter 6. And let's take a look at Solomon's glory. Solomon's riches cannot compare. I want you Remember, we're going to, I'm going to mention this and I'll come back to it again. Solomon's riches, his glory, cannot compare to a bird or a lily. You might say, wait a minute, that's not true. Yeah, God tells us it's true. A simple wildflower. 
Let me talk to you about Solomon's temple for just a moment. King Solomon built many houses, uh, palaces, gardens, parks, irrigation projects, and of course, the great temple. The temple was about 90 feet by 30, three stories high, 100 foot by 30 foot porch. It was made of timber, beautiful stones, iron, bronze, and silver. And, and there were thousands of tons of gold. And it took seven years to build it. Let's, let's read about it. First Kings 6 in verse, and while we're reading this, by the way, while we're reading this, I want you to think about and, and listen to the word gold. 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 And when you hear the word gold, I want you to think about millions and millions and millions. And we'll get to the next number in a moment. But First Kings 6 in verse 20. And the inner sanctuary was 20 cubits in length, and 20 cubits in width, and 20 cubits in height. And he overlaid it with pure gold. He also overlaid the altar with cedar. So Solomon overlaid the inner side, inside of the house with pure gold. And he drew chains of gold across the front of the inner sanctuary. And he overlaid it with gold. And he overlaid the whole house with gold. Until all the house was finished. Also, the whole altar, the altar with, which was by the inner sanctuary, was overlaid with gold. Verse 28. He also overlaid the cherubim with gold. Verse 30. And he overlaid the floor of the house with gold. Inner and outer sanctuaries. Verse 32, so he made two doors of olive wood and he carved on them carvings of cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers and overlaid them with gold. And he spread the gold on the cherubim and on the palm trees. Verse 35, and he carved it on cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers and he overlaid them with gold evenly applied on the engraved work. And yet, in all of this, he can't compare to a lily, to a wildflower. And why are you worried again? Chapter 7, verse 48. And Solomon made all the furniture which was in the house of the Lord, the golden altar, and the golden table, on which was the bread of presence. And the lampstand, five on the right side and five on the left, in front of the inner sanctuary of pure gold, and the flowers and the lamps of the tongues of gold, and the cups and the snuffers and the bowls and the spoons and the firepans of pure gold. And the hinges both for the doors and the inner house. The most holy place for the doors of the house. That is of the nave of gold. First Kings chapter 7. Beginning of verse 1. 
Now Solomon was building his own house. Thirteen years and he finished all his house. And he built the house of the forest of Lebanon. Its length was 100 cubits and its width 50 cubits and its height 30 cubits on four rows of cedar pillars with cedar beams on the pillars. And it was paneled with cedar above the side chambers, which were on the 45 pillars, 15 in each row. His riches, when we convert the numbers, were in the billions. So he was one of our modern-day billionaires, if you will. The value of the gold, the temple, over 30 tons alone, if we were to build that today, it would be $56 billion. That's a conservative number. First Kings chapter 3. And then God says, you know, my children, they need to worry because I can't supply them with gold. <laughs> I can't take care of you. Well, well, well no, Lord, we're not saying that. We're just, well, what are you saying? I don't know. Why am I so worried? Well, this doesn't answer the question of the pandemic. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? Chapter 3, 1 Kings, verse 10. And it was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said to him, because you have asked this thing and not have asked for yourself long life, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have you asked for life, the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself discernment to understand justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. Behold, I have given you a wise and discerning heart so that there has been no one like you before you. Nor shall one like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that there will not be any among the kings like you all your days. So where did Solomon get his riches from? God. And then God asked the question again, tell me again why you're worried. Look at the lily. Tell me. First Kings chapter 9. I wanted to read that verse because I wanted you to understand that as we read these next uh, few verses here about how Solomon uh, accumulated so much wealth, that I want you to remember where it came from. So that we could then put that in our own heads. Remember where our wealth comes from. Where our health comes from. Where our protection comes from. Where mercy comes from. In whom we can depend. First Kings 9 and verse 14. And Hiram sent to the king 120 talents of gold. That would be 
a little over $100 million. I mean, what else do you give to a billionaire, right? 1 Kings chapter 10. Look at verse 14. Now the weight of gold which came into Solomon in one year was 666 talents of gold. Besides that, from the traders, the wars of the merchants and all the kings of the Arabs, the governors of the country. And King Solomon made 200 large shields of beaten gold using 600 shekels of gold on each large shield. And he made 300 shields of beaten gold using three minas of gold on each shield. And the king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with refined gold. There were six steps to the throne and around top to the throne at its rear and arms on each side of the seat and two lions standing beside the arms. And twelve lions were standing there on the six steps on the one side and on the other side. Nothing like it was made for any other kingdom. And all King Solomon's drinking vessels were of gold. And all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were of pure gold. None was of silver. It was not considered valuable in the days of Solomon. That's just how much gold he had. For the king had at sea the ships of Tarshish with the ships of Hiram. Once every three years, the ships of Tarshish came bringing gold and silver, ivory and apes and peacocks. Verse 27. And the king made silver as common as stones in Jerusalem. And he made cedars as plentiful as sycamore trees that are in the lowland. Gold. Today is not a good day to take your wife shopping because the word gold is in the mind. Gold, 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 money. I mean, we dollars and dollars and more and more. He received 25 tons of gold Per year. And and did you catch that? All of his cups, drinking vessels, were pure gold. 1 Kings 10 and verse 6. The Queen of Solomon. The Queen of Sheba, rather, excuse me. Then she said to the king, It was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom Nevertheless, I did not believe the reports until I came and my eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. You exceed in wisdom, prosperity, the report which I heard. 
How blessed are your men. How blessed are these your servants who stand before you continually and hear of your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you to set you on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore he made you king to do justice and righteousness and she gave to the king a hundred and twenty talents of gold. That would be $3.5 million in value. A very great amount of spices and precious stones. Never again did such an abundance of spices come in as that which the Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Turn back, please, to Matthew chapter 6. I wanted to read all this slowly because I want you to digest it. His net worth. We don't even know. You know why we don't know? Because we really don't know how much David left him. And just to build the temple alone. In millions. Or was it in billions? Over $1.1 billion, if you will, each year was brought down to Solomon. $1.1 billion. If we were to build Solomon's temple today, I, I googled um, the, the, the most expensive building, you know, edifice that exists today. And, and it was a hundred billion dollars. That was his value. Uh, and it was a um, a mosque is what it was. And that's over time. It's because they've built on to it. And they've, and they've added on. And they've added on over many, 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 many years. And it's not in America. Today, if you were to take those resources, if you will, and look at the cost of the temple, it would have been 150 billion dollars. The temple was made of limestone, granite, marble, onyx, stones, gold, silver, brass, iron, ivory, wool, linen, fur fabrics, leather, dyes, cedar, and cypress wood. And don't forget, gold. Solomon's palace, his, his own house, would have, would have been worth in value $75 billion. The temple, $150 billion. His own palace, $75 billion. And don't forget, he's also the ruler of the entire world. And then you go back to Matthew chapter 6. And you look at verse 27, and God asks the question, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single cubit to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. And yet... I say to you that even Solomon 
in all of his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. So tell me again, why worry? Well, preacher, I can still give you some reasons, but you haven't been listening. <laughs> there's nothing to worry about. I know, there's clinical. I'm not talking about that. There's nothing to worry about. God knows exactly what He is doing. All the time. So then, here are three ways to keep us from worrying. Number one, instead of focusing so much on ourselves, focus on the greatness of God. Because He's the one that's taking care of us. Remember, these riches were brought into Solomon. And our riches are brought from God as well. Think about the graciousness, the gracious nature of God. That God will fully and abundantly supply. So there's the greatness of God that He has the ability to do so. And then there's the graciousness of God that He will do it. He promises us that. And He says, children, don't worry. And then number three, dwell on the goodness of God. He's not only great and gracious, but He's good. All the time. So then, what should I concern myself, if you will, in my life? What what should be my my primary focus in this life? Should it be clothing? Well, no. Food? No. My wealth? No. Material things? No. But he tells us, here's what you need to focus on. Verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. See, God has to be number one. And when God is number one, you don't need a number two. (laughs) Right? Focus your energy your mind, your strength on the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God. And God promises through His greatness, through His graciousness, and through His goodness to take care of the rest. And finally, verse 34. Therefore do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself Each day has enough trouble of its own. How's your faith this morning, church? So this morning, the the, the wonderful opportunities here. If you would like prayers made on your behalf, thank God. We'll make that happen. Come forward this morning and the elders will pray with you and pray for you. We will continue to pray with you and pray for you. If you're not a child of God, oh, look at what you're missing out on. The graciousness and the greatness and the great glory and the goodness of God. Surrender to God today in the waters of baptism. Having heard his word and believed it and 
having godly sorrow in your heart, repentance, confess his name, be baptized, immersed in water for the remission of your sins, and allow God to work in your life. But that's not why you should become a Christian. Become a Christian because God has something special for our souls, for us, that when this world ends, we get to go home to true glory. If we can help in any way, please come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Burdens are lifted at